Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we are talking to Kim Williams. She's a mom. She's a host of the podcast Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. Through her podcast, Kim has built a community of single moms that support one another both online and offline. Kim is very passionate about educating single moms so they can live the life they desire without feeling alone on the journey of single motherhood. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Hi, Kim. Hi. So tell us about your podcast and why you started it. So I started my podcast because I was seeking community. So I was actually listening to podcasts at the time. And then I moved to Houston and I was staying with some family members and that didn't really work out. So then I found myself like, how do I find people that are in the same situation as me? So I went to podcasts. I searched for a single mom podcast. And what I found was really Caucasian women that were recently divorced or have been divorced for some years. And they had really good support systems. But here I am, this young black mom trying to figure out life and I couldn't find anybody that I could relate to. So I was just like, well, people are always asking me how I do this, how I do that. So let me use my voice and start a podcast and then maybe I will connect with other people just like me. And that's what happened. That's awesome that we part of a bunch of different kind of groups where we talk to a lot of different women about a lot of different things. And one thing that is really a common thread in all of that is like, well, I wrote this book because I had this kid who had this very unique thing and I didn't find any books about it. So I wrote it or I wrote this book because I had this experience or I started this podcast. And I think there's something about that that is really like, I love podcasting for that because it's kind of low entry, right? Like you yes. just, you need a mic, you need a computer. And then it is an amazing like community of support. And one thing on our podcast that we've tried to do, especially with our Fresh Take interviews, because we do have people say, well, how do you do this as a single mom? And Amy and I are both not single moms. So we're like, yes. uh, let's talk to a friend <laughs> about that. because <laughs> Yes. We don't have all that information. Yes. And it occurs to me, like, I had never really thought about that, that the community of single parents who are divorced parents or who have a co-parenting relationship for better and worse with another person who's out there is different than being a single parent 
from the beginning, right? Like, what are some of the differences you perceive? Yeah. Well, I wasn't a single parent from the beginning. Well, I won't say a single parent. I was single as a person, but I got pregnant in college. And so, you know, I was still with my child's father for a couple of years after that. And then I decided to leave. And then after I left, I stayed in Mississippi, um, maybe a few more months. And then I came to Houston. So yeah, I wasn't a single parent, quote unquote, from the very beginning. So my daughter was around two, almost three, I think, when I decided to leave. You moved to Houston, moved pretty far with a two-year-old on your own. Well, I actually had some family members that I knew. Now, I didn't grow up knowing them very well, but I knew they lived here. And they came to my graduation from college. And they were like, um, you could do better in Houston. We will help you out. Um, so on and so forth. So I came here living with them because they said they would help me out, right? Fast forward six, seven months. They were like, when are you going to get a job, like a full-time job? Because I had a temporary job at the time. And it's like, you know, we're keeping your daughter, you're working two jobs, blah, 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 all these excuses. And the environment got really toxic. And so I left their house and then I got an apartment. And then the guy that I was staying with him and his wife, they asked me for the keys. And so at that point, I had no longer had any contact after that. And so it was like, what do I do? You know, I knew I had to find an apartment, but it was like, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to afford the rent? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. I can't go back home because what's there for me? You know, so I had to figure this thing out. And that's why I started podcast. And I remember I was on the floor of that raggedy apartment doing my first episode. So literally, (laughs) I just was so in a place of needing to use my voice, you know, because I had nobody at that point. And when you connect with other single moms, do you find there's a definition of single mothers? Because that's a debate I've heard a lot. I know there's a lot going on. There's so many definitions. It's debatable. Yeah, because you have the single moms that, you know, they are divorced and they may not have their husband anymore. They may not contact him or anything. But then you have the ones that are co-parenting and some of them feel like they are a single mom or they are not a single mom. And then you have the single moms by choice, you know, and then you have the single moms that don't actually have any support. They don't have family. They don't have the dad. So there's just a, a bunch of definitions. And my take is just, whatever you decide. I don't care one way or the other. You know, I am a single person and I'm out here raising a kid by myself. Now her dad does contribute financially, but he's in a whole nother state. So day to day is just me and the kid. So you don't get hung up on like, oh, that's not real single parenthood. No, if they have a co-parent, they're still a single person. So they can be a single mom. You say that uh, yours is community for single mothers who desire to break the stereotype. I really like that. And I wanted to talk about what you think some of the stereotypes around single motherhood are that you're dealing with, that single mothers deal with. So when I started the podcast, I had no idea, like there was this big community of single moms, right? And I had never looked for resources before. And so when I finally moved out with the family and I was just there in this place, you know, trying to figure this thing out, I started to find all of these statistics about single black moms. And I was just like, what is this? You know, you have the Caucasian moms that were seem like they were okay with it. You know, they had their support, but on our side, it looked like people looked down on us because we were single moms. And I was just like, this is not what we're about. We are out here moving and shaking and doing things in the world. And people need to know, they need to know the other side of what this looks like besides what the media portrays. They want to break that stereotype. You know, it's like, they don't think we can go to school and accomplish degrees and work, you know, these high paying jobs and things like that. And there are women out here making it happen every single day, but we don't see that, you know, 
there's like this legacy idea. Well, certain people are single by choice and the single motherhood, like I'm going to throw in a real oldie locks alert that I'm sure you've never heard of. But back in our day, there was a show called Murphy Brown and it was Candace Bergen and she had a baby and it was like, I know I'm <laughs> yeah, an oldie no. lock. It's fine. <laughs> I admit it. And there was like this whole debate about whether she should have a baby. It was the first character on a TV show to have a child out of wedlock to use, you know, an old fashioned term. Right. And it was sort of the yes. the pearl clutchers of the world were like, can we really present this as an example in our world? Like, is this appropriate? And she was, you know, a like middle-aged white woman on a fast-paced career track. Like the show did not present her as somebody who was struggling to support a child. Was that okay to show in the world? We've come a long way since then. Yeah, that's probably, what do you think, Amy? Like 20 years ago? I know exactly because it's, yeah, it is actually met my husband the same week that I had an audition for Murphy Brown. So that was in the mid 90s. All right. Wow. Oldie locks, Amy. I accuse you of being an oldie lock. Mm -hmm. How do you think that's changed? How hasn't it changed? How does it need to change? So I think it's changed in the way that people view us. Like I have attracted so many people from married moms to like different races. I've had Asian moms reach out to me. I've had, you know, Latina moms reach out and say that my podcast has really helped them. Mm. So I think it's literally shifting the way single moms think about what they can accomplish just by listening to the episodes and hearing, you know, my story or other moms that I bring on share what they have been through and how they've gotten through it. And I think we still have a long way to go because as I talk to these moms in the DMs and as I, you know, hear their stories, the mindset sometimes uh, <laughs> it's hard to shift, you know, it, because they've been conditioned for so long to think a certain way that because you are a single mom, you can't do X, Y, Z. And so they hold on to this until they see other people doing it. So I think we still have a long way to go. And what does that mindset look like? A fixed mindset. It's just like they don't think that they can leave outside of where they are. Just for example, you know, a lot of moms want to relocate. They want to move to another place, but they feel like they can't do it because they won't have the support of their family or they won't have the resources that they need because they have it where they are, you know? So just, you know, that for an example. Yeah. Like figuring out your own way. And then mm -hmm. what do you see people, how do they experience the world as single moms in terms of like, is it the feeling of like at the playground or joining moms groups or sending your kids to school? Like, how does it manifest this feeling of like otherness as a single mom for people? Because it seems like that's maybe somewhere where you can start to make some changes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it goes back to the mindset again, because you have some that are really open. They want to go out to the playground. They want to meet other moms. They want to be in community. And then you have the other side of them where they are isolated. They tend to want to be by themselves because they don't feel like anybody will understand. And they don't know that, you know, married moms are actually beneficial. They may not be single, but there's some things that they can understand and some things they can help you out with. They can help you watch your kid while you get a break. You know, they can give you advice, maybe not necessarily to your specific situation, but if they have kids that are older than yours, they can still help. And so I think that shift needs to happen at that point, you know, where it's like, just because they are not a single mom doesn't mean they can't help you or you can't be in their community as well and benefit from it. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll be back and talk about how the pandemic has been perhaps especially hard on the single moms among us. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? 
Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So, Kim, we want to talk to you about the special challenges of getting through pandemic parenting Without a co-parent, because so many of the coping mechanisms we've talked about in our show, and we've talked a lot about how to cope, is like, say, I need a break, go in the room, you know, like put the other person in charge, right? Yeah, I can't do that. (laughs) No. How do you get the, you know, the restorative alone time, self-care time you need as a single parent? Well, fortunately for me, you know, my daughter is a little older. She's eight. So I can say, hey, McKinley, I need some alone time. Um, I'm going to go in my room and shut the door. You know, I can communicate that with her and she understands that she doesn't get offended. But also I try to make sure that I'm making time for myself in the morning. So I think when the pandemic first started, I was so good about like I would get up an hour or maybe two hours before my daughter every morning just so I could have that you know, silence before the chaos began, because after she got on Zoom, you know, it was like downhill from there someday. (laughs) Oh, Zoom. We will never miss you, Zoom. So I was like, I have to be intentional about putting me on my to-do list so that I get that time because where are we going to go? You know, we couldn't go to the playground. I couldn't take it to daycare originally. But then as the pandemic went on and the numbers started to decrease, there was a drop off daycare that I would utilize. It's called Adventure Play Care. And they allow, you know, people to drop off their kids for like $11 an hour. And so since I worked in the hospital, we had this letter that stated that our kids needed childcare. Even though I was working from remote, I was able to bring my daughter because I worked for the hospital. So I was a little fortunate in that area. But yeah, that's how I got my me time in because by the nighttime, I would be so tired. I would just go to bed. So I don't get my me time <laughs> at night. It's mainly in the morning. You don't and get it don't at all. You don't yeah. get it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's all over the place because, you know, by nine o'clock, she's like, I don't understand. I can't hear her. She's talking too slow. She just complains about her teacher. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. And to hear that every single day while I'm also trying to work. (laughs) That was just like (laughs) insanity. I think that's a good point, too, because we act like, well, we're home. So, you know, we don't need child care. But any of us who are trying to do a job out of our house, it did not take long to realize that like having a kid at home. I mean, I just saw it was in the news, the anniversary of the famous interview where the guy, his kids come in, he's on BBC News and the guy, his kids invade the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was four years ago. Can you imagine? But I mean, now it's not as if working from home on Zoom and teaching, because you're really facilitating the learning of an eight-year-old. Those are not compatible activities. You actually can't do both of those things. Because it would be like, I would have to stop my work and then I would have to go to her room and say, okay, this is how you work this problem out. And she may not get it the first time. And then I have to, you know, draw the things out and explain to her by then 30 minutes has passed that I could have been doing some work, you know, and then I try to go back to my work and then, oh, she has another question. You know, and so the cycle repeats. Amy explained this concept to me. I mean, very early on, we've been doing the podcast a couple of years now of like deep work and that the way the brain engages with work is that you go deep on something. There's a mode that your brain almost has to get into to do a certain kind of work and that that only clicks. It's like REM sleep. It only clicks in after quite a while. And so you literally can't work in 15-minute increments in between being like, no, no, you flip the fractions, comma denominator, whatever it is you're trying to do. And that is something that I've really had to keep coming back to during the pandemic of like, oh, it's not that this is hard. It's that it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. I just read a um interview this morning with Tracy Letts, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, like huge, you know, famous actor and playwright. This is a man who got during the pandemic time to go off to a cabin in the woods twice. He went off for a week so he could work on his next play. Was it a getaway cabin? Yeah, getaway cabin, like a getaway to write, but like getting away from everything. Yeah. Who had that? Could you get that address from Tracy Letts for us? Because we want to go. Well, guess what he accomplished in his, you know, week away in the cabin during the pandemic? Nothing. He's like, I accomplished, like, I made dust during that week. Like, I made nothing. So to imagine, you know, what it's like to be a single parent with the kid who's interrupting you every 45 seconds, right? Like... He couldn't even get it done with all the alone time he needed during the pandemic. So for we have to t- give ourselves a break for uh, not getting more done. And as you say, like entitling yourself to the care that's available, right? Like you were saying, like, well, I don't really need it. I don't work in person. But yes, you do. It's provided for you and you get to show up and have that help. Yes, it's essential for my mental health. Like, otherwise, I don't know where I would be. You know, I would probably be in like a crazy house or something. I don't know. My situation in the pandemic has been comparatively fairly easy. But this happens every night. And I saw other people talking about it. I was like, oh, it's not just me. I'm having dreams every night of like, I'm being chased. Oh, the zombies are coming. Oh, no, I've fallen down a pit. Oh, no, like horrible. I'm holding a lot of stress while saying to everyone like, I'm good. I'm good. I got it. I got it. And I think... Some of that is alleviated by at the end of the day, like having a drink with my husband and being like, oh, here's, you know, processing the day. But even in the pandemic, it's like we've gotten tired of talking to each other and seeing (laughs) each other's faces. Like we're not processing as much as we normally we come home at the end of the day and we're like, how was your and we're processing. And I think that's another thing that I'm missing. And I would 
assume even more so as a single parent, like that ability to process stuff with other adults is it's got to be really hard during the pandemic that the inability to process stuff is what I'm saying with other adults. So where do you find that outlet? I was going to say, I have a therapist. So thankfully, I've been able to do teletherapy and, you know, get my thoughts out that way. But then also, um, I have a community of single moms, you know, and so we hop on Zoom and we have our week check-ins and like, how is your week? Like, how has it been? It's been hard. My daughter's doing this or my son is doing this or, you know, money is tight, you know, that type of thing. And so just being really raw with each other and seeing where we could help each other out, you know, and then during the pandemic, there were a few of us who would get together and, you know, just allow our kids to play, just make sure that we keep our little bubble. And so, you know, so we can keep our sanity because otherwise I don't really know how we would have made it. And it's pandemic is not over. Right. But here in Texas, you know, things are really back open now. So my daughter is back in school, you know, but I know other moms in like places like Maryland and Washington, D.C., they don't have the same luxury that we have here. So it's really still hard for them. I think the California schools are just thinking about opening. You know, I mean, it's been a full year of no school. Yeah, I kept my daughter virtual until December and then I let her go back in January. I wanted to see how things were going to go, but it's been great. I mean, she's done so much better. And I'm just like, and I bet you've done a lot better too, <laughs> not teaching those uh, math problems. Yes, it's been so good. So, Kim, do you think that this is something that you're going to carry forward into the aftertimes, you and the women in your community, to keep these group Zooms going and these sort of new ways of community that you've created in the last year? Absolutely. I think we'll keep these going because, you know, we get to connect from women all around the world. It's not just, you know, women who are here in Houston or that may live, you know, in Dallas, you know, in the state. But these are women that we've met and we will continue to build these connections. I think it's super beneficial. And then, you know, Clubhouse is a new app that recently, you know, blew up. And so we've been building community over there too. And we have our morning check-ins every day. And that has been amazing too, just to, you know. Yeah. We need you to tutor us on Clubhouse. I think we're too old for Clubhouse. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) Yes, we can do a private room and I can show y'all what to do. Yes. Please get us on there. If people want to find you on Clubhouse, is it Single Black Motherhood? Is that your handle? I think it's SB Motherhood because they only allow so many characters like Twitter. So, yeah. But if you type in Single Black Motherhood, it'll pop up for you. You'll be found. Yeah. All right. Let's come back. And I want to talk a little bit about really getting into the nitty gritty of practical aspects of single motherhood. Yes, let's do it. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. 
Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. We've been talking about kind of the big view, right? What do you see as like the touchstones? I know you talk a lot about finances. When you're talking to single moms, what do you talk about in terms of like, these are the things you really need to do to be successful in this kind of difficult journey? So I did a poll a while back on Instagram and I asked the community, you know, what are your biggest challenges? And when I, you know, put them all together. The top three issues for single moms are money, time, and support. So I felt like if they could get those three things in order and we can keep having conversations around them, then they would have a successful single motherhood journey. And when I say successful, it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it means that it can go a whole lot smoother, you know, because if you don't have the time to take care of your mental health or to make money, then (laughs) what are you doing? And so it's very important for us as single moms to learn how to manage our time. And then as far as money, if you don't have money, you're stressed because you can't pay the bills. You can't take care of your kids like you need to. You can't put food on the table. And so that's really important. And then support because, you know, you need support to keep your sanity. And whether that's a therapist, whether that's another mom in another community, uh, whether that's your mom, your dad, you know, whoever, you need somebody in your village. So Kim, what are some of the time management strategies that you've suggested to your community? Yeah, so I love my Google Calendar, but I actually use a physical planner too. So on like Saturday night or Saturday morning, I will plan out my week and then I'll schedule that on Google Calendar and it automatically syncs with my iCal. And that goes to my watch. So it holds me accountable every day of like what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm working on. And I suggest that to my community as well. I love time blocking and I understand that it doesn't work for everybody. So I'm like, if you're a pen and paper girl, then get you a planner. But if you're an electronic girl, then iCal, Google Calendar, sync it with your phone and you can get those reminders and those notifications. Kim, I have been dragged, dragged (laughs) to this way of life by Amy because I was always like, I'm not writing anything down. I'm not interested. I'm just living my life. I just wing it. I'm in my joy and no one will take it from me with your planners. But man, and I have three kids and even like meal planning and stuff. Yes, meal planning. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I otherwise, let me tell you, Amy dragged me kicking and screaming into meal planning. And now I can't believe I never did it before just because 
basically I was constantly at five o'clock like, okay, I was going to make something, but I'm missing two of the ingredients and running to the store at five o'clock at night. Right, exactly. And sometimes running to the store with three little kids in tow at five o'clock at night. So these are good practices. And I think that it's like my husband's an educator and he always says special education is just best practices education because you can't afford the same level of flexibility and mistakes in special education. And I think there might be a parallel to single motherhood, right? This works for everybody, but you have a little less room to be like, it's five o'clock. You watch the kids. I have to run to the store to get the ingredients that I'm going to need for dinner. Yeah. It's like, it's not that easy. And what will likely happen is I'm going through the drive-thru because I don't have the ingredients I need because I know there's so much more that I need to get done before this kid has to go to bed, you know? So. And that plays into money too, right? Yeah. When we sat down and did our budget, one of the things I realized is, oh no, we're spending like an insane amount of money on taking food. Whereas if I was getting like some proteins at Costco and meal planning, I could save hundreds of dollars a month. So they're kind of tied together. So meal planning. Let's talk about the finances. Because Kim, you say that getting finances in order is important because that's how single moms can show up every day, right? With that sort of large worries sort of manage. What do you suggest single moms do to get their finances in order? Get a budget. (laughs) So, well, some people think when you say budget, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't budget or I don't have enough to budget. But it's just like a budget is simply a plan for your money, you know, and you can start where you are and you can get better, you know, but as long as you keep trying, you'll eventually get it. And you have to discipline yourself. It's like a muscle, you know, you plan that budget out and you stick to it and you keep trying. So that is what I encourage to the moms in my community. And a lot of them have said, like, Kim, I have my budget. <laughs> you know, I'm working on it. I've been saving, you know, that sort of thing. So, yes, definitely starting with a budget. That's a great aspect of community, too, because I know for myself, whenever I find myself failing at anything during the pandemic, let's be honest, it's fitness. The first thing I try to do is I try to find some sort of community, whether it's like Facebook walking challenge or whatever it is. I know that I am much more accountable to other people than I am to myself. Yes, that's so good. Which may be a personal failing, but I'm too old to fix my personal failing. So I got to just go with like, this is a personal failing and how can I address it? And I think that this idea of your group, people helping each other be accountable because that is something that your spouse tends to provide, right? Where my husband's like, by the way, we spent X amount of dollars this month on takeout food and we don't have that kind of money, so we got to fix that going forward. It's easier to have another adult seeing you and reflecting back like, hey, this is where it's going off course a little bit. I had a therapist a long time ago say to me, you need somebody outside the car. You're like in a car without a speedometer and you need somebody out the car saying you're going too fast because you can't feel how fast you're going in the <laughs> pointing car. Pointing that radar gun at you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pointing the radar gun at yes. you. Yes. And I think that's an aspect of community that I hadn't really thought about. You're helping point the radar gun at people and say, so here's how you might maybe slow down a little bit in that area. Yes, there's a mom. I think she's around 22 and she reminds me of my younger self. I know I'm not that old, but (laughs) she sent me like this screenshot. I had shared like some free, I think, 
printables of like how you can color the charts. You know what I'm talking about? When like you save a certain amount, you color it in. And then, or if you pay off a certain amount, you color it in. And so she sent me like her car tracker where she was like coloring in her car payments and she wants to pay it off this year. And so she sent me her progress. I don't know her from (laughs) the paint on my wall, but you know, it's just so amazing to get these DMs to see that they are actually putting in the work. You know, that's awesome. And having and you're providing that community. It's community is so important, especially. Yeah. And it's lovely. And it's lovely that you've been able to keep it up during the pandemic, because that's the thing. I feel like we're all missing that sense of just basic community. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, a lot of them have said they don't have time or they don't feel like reaching out. And I've been trying to encourage everybody to just check on another mom. You know, you just never know what they're going through. And they may look fine on social media. But you will find when you DM them, they're not okay. Yeah. You know, and so the behind the pictures, they're suffering in silence. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. You know, we're here to help you and support you. What do you need? It's amazing to me, Kim, that when you had this moment of like, I really need support, I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> That is a lot of initiative that maybe some other people don't have. Right. But you it's okay for us to ask for support as moms when we really need it. Talk a little bit. We have a lot of single moms who listen to our podcast. We have a lot of married moms. We have moms of all different races, all different situations. Talk to the married moms, partnered moms. How can we reach out in community to black moms, single moms, moms who uh, maybe we even unconsciously aren't making feel welcome? Just reach out. Like, you know, moms, uh, married moms, they reach out to me all the time. And I remember this one, I think she was an Asian mom. I think she was like a CPA. And somehow she found my podcast on Spotify. And she was like, hey, you know, I found your podcast. I wanted to know if it was okay to share. It has really helped me in my finance. I'm like, she's a CPA. But just, you know, (laughs) to hear, I guess, moms actually talking about practical tips, you know, and how they're saving money and how they're, you know, travel hacks and things like that. It has really helped her. And I was just like, wow, this is interesting. But I think just reaching out, that's the first step, you know, just reach out and let them know that you genuinely want to help out or you want to support in any way that you can. And I think you can just start there. Because sometimes it's like people don't say anything. And so how do I know that you want to help me if you don't say you want to help me? You know, I think it's such a good point, because everybody feels like there are mom groups and that they're closed somehow that like those are these moms and these are this moms. We all really need and want help and support. But we have to work a little bit harder at like making sure that our circle is always a U shape, you know, that we always are sort of projecting, hey, we may be different moms, old moms, young moms, black moms, single moms, whatever, but that somehow we try to keep working on keeping that openness because I think that we feel that divide. It is a divide, but I think that it's not a terrible divide, right? Because I think there's beauty in having different communities, but when they all can come together and, you know, relate to some aspects of life, I think that's beautiful as well. So I think it's still okay to have like your groups, but then knowing that you can all come together, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Very well said. That's right. It's fine to have community. We need that support, but like finding that openness too. 
Yes. So just understanding that people are open to what you have to say and to receiving your support. I mean, making that be known, you know, because like I said, I've attracted all types of people and I did not think that that was going to happen. I was literally seeking to build a community with moms that look like me. I didn't even think like, oh, well, I want to attract Caucasian moms, you know, because they already had their podcast. You know, they were already talking about how they live. And I was like, there's just things that I haven't heard them say that I've had to go through. And I know other moms have had to go through growing up in our types of households, our culture, I guess. So yes. Kim, tell us about your community and all the different places we can find it. Yeah. So literally you can just go to Instagram at single black motherhood and everything is linked there in my bio. You are so efficient. (laughs) We usually have to do like 10 minutes of like, and then on Spotify and then on Twitter, I'm look at you. You're like, come to Instagram, find me. No, everything is linked in that one bio. So yes. Kim has systems. This is a systems person. People always say, are you an Amy or a Margaret? Because we have our Amy, little going, you know, but you are definitely an Amy. You've got your spreadsheets. You've got your links. You've got it going on. I can tell. I respect you, but I can tell you're an Amy. That's fine. Kim's podcast is called Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. Go find it. Kim, thanks for talking to us today. This is a fun conversation. Thanks, Kim. You guys are welcome. Thank you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.